Welcome to Living the Good Life Podcast, where we bring you messages, thoughts, and advice for living the good life. Today's message is brought to us by Brother Larry Dishman. Turn over to the book of Psalms, chapter 85. Verse number one, Lord, thou hast been favorable unto thy land. Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered all their sins. Selah. Thou hast taken away all thy wrath. Thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. Turn us, O God of our salvation, and cause thine anger toward us to cease. Wilt thou be angry with us forever? Wilt thou draw out thine anger to all generations? Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Show us thy mercy, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. I will hear what the Lord God will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints. But let them not turn again to folly. Surely his salvation is nigh them that fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth shall spring out of the earth and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yea, the Lord shall give that which is good in our land, shall yield her increase. Righteousness shall go before him and shall set us in the way of his steps. My message deals with the subject. Revive us again. Most scholars believe that this Psalms was written just after Israel returned from captivity. Israel had been sent to Babylon for 70 years as punishment for their sins against the Lord. They've been restored to their land, but their hearts are still not where they need to be. The nation has experienced restoration but it stands in need of a great revival. And I think that Israel's situation parallels to ours to a degree. We've been saved by the grace of God. I believe most of us will testify that we've been saved by the grace of God. We've been delivered from the penalty of our sins, from the power of sin, from the pollution of sin. We've been delivered from the pleasure of sin. We have been blessed beyond words. But friend, I believe there's still room for improvement as the people of God. Right in the very heart of his Psalms, there's a plea for God to send a revival to his people. The word revival means to refresh, to restore. Amen, revival supposes that there has been life in the past, but now there's a need for a refreshing. There's a need for a restoring. And I believe that's the day and time that we live in. We need a refreshing from heaven. We need a restoring. And when life is refreshed and life is restored, those who are revived will live on a higher, more prosperous level. In our text, the psalmist asked an important question. Will thou not 
revive us again. We sometimes sing a song, revive us again. Fill each heart with thy love. May each soul be rekindled from fire from above. Friend, there's much talk about revival in our land and country. Babylon's talking about it. Uh, churches all over the United States, all over the world, they talk about revival. But I want us to take some time and analyze what is involved in a true, genuine revival. Oh, how we need revival. I believe we all need revived. We need some things refreshed. We need some things restored. And this Psalms gives us a little insight into what a real, genuine revival involves. And, and so I want to point out some steps that the psalmist took in his quest for a genuine revival. The Bible lets us know in the book of Psalms and the first chapter and verse number one, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, and his leaves shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The psalmist said, wilt thou revive us? To whom does us refer to? It refers to the church. It refers to the believer. Our Lord said in Second Chronicles seven fourteen, if my people, which are called by my name, Who's he talking about? He's talking about us. He's talking about God's people. Friend, there's just two groups of people and it's God's people and the devil's people. That's the only two groups that there are. Are you numbered among the Lord's people? Our Lord continued there in 2 Chronicles 7 and verse number 14. He said, the people which are called by his name. His name is God. And if you claim to be a Christian, then you're called by God's name. That's why we call ourselves the church of God. Therefore, the word us refers to Christians. And sometimes the Lord has the most difficult time getting his people, Christians, in a place where they can experience a genuine revival. I want you to think about Jonah and the great revival in Nineveh. The greatest obstacle to that revival was one of God's people. Not the pagans, it was not the politicians, it was not the prostitutes that was hindering that revival. It was not the gamblers, it was not the bad businessman, it was not the corrupt citizens, it was a man by the name of Jonah that was hindering that revival that was so desperately needed in Nineveh. And when Jonah got right with God, there was a countrywide revival. Amen, can that be you? Can that be me? Can it be one of us that's sitting here that there's obstacles in our life that's standing in our way that's keeping us from experiencing a genuine revival in our hearts and in our lives? Oh, when is revival needed? Whenever the love of God's people has grown cold. And the Bible says, because iniquity shall abound, the 
that the love of many shall wax cold. Consider the symptoms of its need, complacency, and self-satisfaction or satisfaction with the status quo. Friend, I believe that's the way it is with many people today. Uh, they're just satisfied uh, with the status quo. Uh, they're not interested in getting out there and getting a little deeper in the things of God. They're not interested in a closer walk with God. They're just willing to go on, drifting like they've been going for many years. Uh, a lack of concern for the loss is a sign that we need a genuine revival. Hiding or covering secret sins is a sign that we need a revival, animosity, towards other Christians having an unforgiving spirit is a sign that we need revival. I say when an individual is filled with pride, there needs to be a revival. And I wanna explain it like this. Any condition of spiritual standing where we are less than we were before. I want you to think about that statement. Any condition of spiritual standing where we are less than we were before. And friend, if we can say, that's right, that's me. There are some areas in my life where I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not what I used to be. You know what that means? To some degree, you've went backwards. You have slidden backwards, but there's a danger. Often our spiritual deterioration comes without our awareness. Samson had the power of God upon him, but he played around with sin and he found himself helpless in the face of his enemy because he was unaware of the fact that the power of God had left him. The Bible says in the book of Judges and the 16th chapter in verse number 20, and she said, the Philistines be upon thee. Samson, and he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself and he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. Yes, without our awareness, we're drifting and not realizing the fact we're drifting away from God. It's so, friend, often the condition of our hearts is such that we are unaware of the need at the very greatest time. Revelation tells me in the third chapter, in verse number 15, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou work cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth because thou sayest I'm rich, I'm increased with goods and have to eat of nothing. Knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Yes, dear ones, here's some people that backs up what I said. Often our spiritual deterioration comes without our awareness. In the light of that, that's why we must often pray as the psalmist prayed in Psalms 139, search me, O God, and see if there be any wicked way in me. Lead me in the way of everlasting. You know, the flesh will fight against revival. For to have revival, we must admit that we have a need for revival. And admitting that we have a need goes against the grain of the flesh. And so the psalmist remembers the past. He looks back on where they were and what the Lord had done for them. In Psalms 85 and verse number one, Lord, thou hast been favorable into thy land. Thou hast brought back the captivity 
of Jacob. He remembers their captivity. He remembers the years of exile and Babylon, the need to remember where we come from. We need to look back every once in a while, see where God brought us from. The Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah, chapter 51 and verse number one, hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord, look unto the rock whence ye are hewn, and to the hole of the pit whence ye are digged. Thank God for the pit God digged me out of. God dug me out of a horrible pit. And it's good sometimes to look back there and see where God brought us from. And I look back at that time when I was out in sin after being raised in a Christian family and ignoring the counsel of my pastor and ignoring the counsel of my Sunday school teachers and ignoring the counsel of my mother and ignoring the counsel of my father and ignoring the counsel of spiritual people going headlong into sin. And I think back about those times uh, how I could have easily been taken out into eternity unprepared to meet God. But as the song says, his great arms of mercy was looking over me even when I was out in sin. I look over those times in my life and I say, thank you, Lord, how your great arms of mercy held me, protected me. I could be in hell right now. You could be in hell right now. But God was good to you. Even while you were lost in sin, God was good to you. I don't believe we ought to glorify the devil, but we ought to take a moment to remember where you were, what you were, where you were headed when the Lord saved you. Psalms 85, 2 says, Thou hast been favorable, the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered all their sins. You know what the psalmist remembered? He remembered their cleansing. Amen. And the ideal of going after and returning to their rightful place. In other words, God was bringing them back. Do you remember the night that the Lord saved you? Do you remember the night he brought you out of that horrible pit? Do you remember the time when the heavy load of sin rolled away as you confessed and repented of your sins? God wants us to remember those things. In verse number three of our text, thou hast taken away all thy wrath. Thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thy anger. And then he remembers their conversion. He remembers when God gave peace instead of punishment. He remembers when God turned away his wrath. Do you remember when you first experienced his peace and you knew that all was well between you and the Lord? Remember is one of the first steps to the path of the genuine revival. Notice what the Bible says in the book of Revelation 2 and verse number four, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. But listen to what he said, remember, remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent and do thy first works or else I will come to thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of this place except thou repent. This is a very important thought as we think about revive us again, we got to remember where we once was in order to get brought back to that place and truly be revived and be restored. Because he said in verse number six, wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee. Show us thy mercy, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. And then the psalmist uh, takes another step and he reflects on the presence. While they had been much grateful, there was still room 
for improvement. Let's examine our lives and let's really be honest. Is there not room for improvement in our lives? That's what revival's all about. That's what refreshing is all about. Let's get that taken care of. If there's room for improvement, that means I can do something about it. That means you can do something about it. Yes, Israel was back in the land, but they still had some room for improvement. And the psalmist speaks of their condition. And I want you to notice what he said in Psalms 85 and verse number four, turn us, O God, our salvation, and cause thine anger towards us to cease. Wilt thou be angry with us forever? Wilt thou draw out thine anger to all generations? There's still a need for repentance. Turn us translates the same word as brought back in verse number one. God had brought them out of captivity, but all was still not well with their hearts. This is a confession of a need of repentance in the lives of God's people. The psalmist uses the word us. He's speaking of a need for national repentance, but national repentance begins with personal repentance. There's still a need among God's people for repentance. We need to examine our hearts and deal with anything that possibly could not be pleasing in the Lord's sight. And I was thinking yesterday about a scripture. I've read it many times. I've quoted it many times. I've preached about it many times, but you know how it is sometimes uh, something will just stand out in your mind. In the book of Hebrews, the 12th chapter, and verse number one, he said, wherefore, a seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. And that word every weight just stood out in my mind. Uh, you know what? He didn't say, now let, let's lay aside some of these weights. He didn't say, let's, let's lay aside a few of these weights. He didn't say, let us lay aside most of these weights. But I'll tell you what the Hebrew writer said, let us lay aside every weight. Let us lay aside everything that's hindering our spiritual progress. You know, that's what brings revival, laying aside those things that hinder spiritual progress. I'm convinced of it, amen. All the devils in hell couldn't make me doubt the fact that if every one of us will lay aside every weight and everything that's hindering us spiritually, we can have a revival this week, amen. What is it that's hindering you spiritually? What is it in your life that you're doing that's slowing you down? Somebody said, but you can't say that it's sin. No, but I can say it's a weight. And then he didn't only say, let us lay aside the sin, which does so easily beset us. He said, lay aside every weight and the sin, which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that's set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Wilt thou be angry with us forever? Wilt thou draw out thine anger to all generations? Wilt thou not revive us again? That thy people may rejoice in thee. The psalmist is pleading for a revival. He understands that revival did not come from men. Revival does not come from methods. Revival does not come from messages. Revival still comes from God. A revival is a sovereign move of God. 
among a spiritually ready people? And that's my question. Are we a spiritually ready people? Revival never has come. It never will come to a people who's not ready. There's a need for revival in the nation. But revival will not begin on a national level. It will begin in individual lives, in individual hearts. What would a real revival look like? Not emotionalism, not strange occurrences, not a spirit of laughing, not a spirit like in the charismatic barking like a dog, rolling on the floor, speaking in an unknown tongue, falling out, excitement. The Spirit of God will not pull you down to the floor and lift you up. The Spirit of God will not knock you powerless. It will give you power. The Spirit of God will not put you out of your mind. It'll put you in your right mind. That's what revival will do. When revival comes, there'll be an overpowering sense of God's presence, holiness, and commitment. Unashamed love for Jesus among the saved and a deep conviction of the whole community. Can you remember when the things of God were more real to you than they are tonight? The devil don't want you to remember. Look back. Be honest. Is that the case? Psalms 85 and verse number 8 says, I will hear what the Lord God will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people. And his saints, but let them not turn again to folly. Surely his salvation is nigh to them that fear him. The glory may dwell in our land. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth shall spring out of the earth. Righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yea, the Lord shall give that which is good in our land, shall yield her increase. Righteousness shall go before him and shall set us in the way of his steps. Then we find the psalmist rests in a plan. Having expressed a need for revival, the psalmist settles on a plan of action. That's what we need. We can talk about revival all day. Well, what about a plan of action? He tells us what he will do to seek the Lord for revival. You know what he said? Verse number eight, I will hear what the Lord will speak. I'm listening to God. For he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints, but let them not turn again to body. In other words, the psalmist said, I'm going to conform to the word of God. That word here means more than just here. He said, I'm going to listen to the word of God and I'm going to live it out in my life. And that's a recipe for blessing. Deuteronomy 11, verse number 27, a blessing if you obey the commandment of the Lord your God, which I shall command you this day, and a curse if you will not obey the commandment of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to go after other gods which ye have not known. Then, verse number nine, surely his salvation is nigh to them that fear him that the glory may dwell in our land. He will commit to God's way. God has a plan for living. Those who are wise, fear the Lord, find his plan, and live it out. The glory may have departed, but thank God the glory can return in your life. 
he will contemplate God's wonders. The psalmist pledges to meditate on the Lord and his wonderful works. Oh, the wonder of his grace are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. A hostile meeting. Mercy requests one thing. Truth requests another. But they are brought together by the grace of God. A picture of what Jesus did at the cross in Colossians 1 and verse number 20. Having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. I say, whether they be things in earth, things in heaven. Psalms 85, 12. Yea, the Lord shall give that which is good, and our land shall yield her increase. In closing, we need revival. We need it in our personal lives. We need it in the church. The evangelists can't bring it. Singers can't bring it. Good wishes, fond desires don't bring revival. Then what will bring revival? When we remember who we are, what the Lord has done for us, when we repent of our wicked ways, when we repeat our first works, we'll be in a position where God can send a revival. We need a revival that will rekindle fires. Revivus means there's been life before. The Christian life is made up of many, many beginnings. We need a revival that will rekindle old fires. Do you remember better days, days of dedication to the Lord? Days when you came to church expecting great things from God. Days when you wouldn't miss church for a ball game. When you didn't look for some excuse why you couldn't serve the Lord. Do you remember how your prayer life used to be? Remember how you was faithful to the house of God. Remember your devotional life. Remember how you once thirsted after righteousness. Do you remember the zeal? Do you remember when you were on fire for God? The preacher couldn't preach it too straight. You give God the benefit of the doubt. Do you remember when the preacher preached on the standard and you didn't fight it? Do you remember the peace, the joy, and the commitment that you had? Do you remember the testimony that you had? Do you remember how you used to witness for Jesus? Do you remember the dedication? you once had. We can get that back. We need revival. Thank you for listening. If you found this message helpful, please share this episode with your friends on Facebook, Messenger, or your favorite social media. If you have questions or suggestions, please message us on Facebook by searching Living the Good Life Show. A big thank you to Sister Rachel Fowler for all of her editing expertise. Until next time. Keep living the good life.